When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, Brandon Harvey here. Before we get started, I wanted to give a shout out to the sponsor of this week's episode, Lasting. Lasting is the nation's number one relationship counseling app. They've distilled decades of research into accessible five-minute sessions designed to give you the right tools for building a healthy marriage. Lasting is backed by the leading wedding resource, The Knot, and has been featured by ABC News, The Today Show, Good Morning America, and Bustle. Download Lasting in the App Store or Google Play Store today and give it a spin. It's free to download and get started with their Marriage Health Intro Series. Just visit getlasting.com good to get the nation's number one relationship counseling app and to help support this podcast. One more time, that's getlasting.com good. Lasting, marriage counseling made simple. All right, now here comes the show. Hello, hello. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2019. I'm so excited for this year of the podcast. I feel like we have some really exciting conversations ahead uh, and maybe some uh, some fun little bonus exciting things that we're working on behind the scenes. This week, I'm especially really excited because we have Joanna Waterfall on Sounds Good. Joanna is the founder of Yellow Co., a movement of women coming together to support one another in pursuing their creative dreams, taking risks, and making big waves in the world, all to further the greater good. And you've maybe heard of or maybe even attended their conference, Yellow Conference. It's a big deal. It's incredible. We are huge fans of Yellow Conference here at Good Good Good, and we know that so many people in our community are as well. I love that in this episode, we got to go deep really fast. Joanna and I dove into relationships and prenatal depression, what it's like to fail publicly, sometimes really publicly, and how to separate who we are from what we do. I'm Brandon Harvey, and this is Sounds Good. This is the weekly podcast where we have conversations with inspiring people who are rejecting cynicism and using their lives to make an impact. Sounds Good is not your typical three steps to success podcast. We don't host this podcast for the sake of leaving you with bullet points on self-improvement. We just believe that our lives are more complex than that. And so what we do is we show up here on Sounds Good. We ask big questions. We dive into nuance and we learn from each other's stories. So without any further ado, let's jump straight into our conversation. Oh my goodness, Joanna, how uh, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I'm in Southern California in the winter and it's like 75, so I really cannot complain. You're a jerk. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. But, you know, we envy those who actually get real seasons. So I have to myself have gratitude for this. I guess the grass is always greener because I, uh, I'm experiencing seasons right now in Tennessee and I wish that I wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, it is always it is always greener. We're actually going to Seattle for Christmas, so oh, I'm good. hoping to get a little 
taste of the snow, but then it's always nice to come back to sun. Is this time of year, like holiday season stuff, is that usually like crazy for you or is it kind of dead for you? It's actually pretty slow. It's um, the busiest season that we have is actually during the summer because that's when we're gearing up for our biggest event that we do. So summertime's always crazy. And then October um, is kind of just catching up from the event that we had in August, September, October, fall time. And then in the winter, it's a lot of time to prepare for 2019 and um, just get stuff ready for the new year. So it's actually pretty slow. So I... That's kind of nice. Yeah, it's really nice. Everybody talks about the holiday and anxieties and all this stuff. And I, this is the time of year when I feel the most calm. So that's really good. good. Well, and you're, you're pregnant right now too. And I am. how does that mix into the whole situation of like winter is kind of chill, but also you're like, you've got a human growing inside of you. Like what, what's that experience like? Gosh, it is a trip. Like this is our first child and the first time that I've been pregnant and man it's it's totally brought me to a place of just realizing how we are all as humans like living walking miracles roaming this earth because just the fact that you know this baby is living and growing inside of me and it just feels like such a miracle because it's something that I cannot mentally comprehend I'm like how did this happen? How does my body know what to do? How is my body just doing this? Like there's nothing consciously that I'm being (laughs) like, okay, now it's time to put those veins in (laughs) or like, which is so like, it's just been such a cool connective time for me for like my body and just seeing the power that it has. And then just realizing how insane human beings are and how insane life is. And but this is what we all came from. It's been really crazy. It's amazing. It's a miracle to be able to experience. I, I feel very, it feels like a gift to be able to experience something like this. And it's nice to be experiencing it during the winter time too, because um, all I want to wear is like cozy sweaters. Oh yeah. That's dreamy. I'm starting to pop and I can do that. And if it was summertime, it would be a little different. So <laughs> yeah. And fun. Man, that's awesome. I thought it was really cool. I was just thinking about this on Instagram the other day, you shared about like some of like the struggles that have also come with uh, being pregnant. And you talked about, I think you even kind of talked about like prenatal depression a little bit. And, and what I really admire about you, and I've long admired this about you is your ability to just like be real and raw and vulnerable and, and share about like almost like the the realities of life with like your community of people online who are like in the thick of it. And you're like, oh, here's like what I'm experiencing. What are you experiencing? Um, and, and so it's cool that you've been using this as an opportunity to, to share and be real and, and help other people feel less alone as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I feel like it's less work to just be real and honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a nine on the Enneagram. Um, and so conserving energy is one of <laughs> our, the nine traits, but, um, it feels to me just, I, I always try to take a stance of being, um, just real and authentic because it, it literally just feels, it feels more, I feel more aligned and I feel more at peace when I am that way. But yeah, finding out that we were pregnant was 
a real mix of emotions. And my first trimester was really, really rough. It was definitely, I would say, a season where I was experiencing um, prenatal depression. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think I, I did either. Yeah. And I, I know postpartum, that's what everybody talks about, postpartum depression. And um, so I knew that that was a thing, but I was just feeling just so low and so down. And I had also, so we've, my husband and I found out we were pregnant about a week before um, the conference that we put on happened um, in August. So we, although like we had kind of set out on being like, okay, this is something that we're okay with. Like if we did get pregnant, we would be okay with it. In this <laughs> season. It still felt to me like such a surprise. Cause that's one thing everybody asks is like, Oh, well, was it a surprise? And like, well, technically no, we knew like it was a possibility, but it felt like a surprise because it happened. I think a lot sooner than we both thought it would. Yeah. And all of a sudden it felt like my reality just, changed like without yeah that makes sense like flipped over yeah it was like one day I'm living my life normally and I can drink wine and (laughs) off cheeses and and my body was mine and then the next day all of a sudden I'm like wait it's not like all these things are changing in my life and I have no control over it and I don't know how like is this body still mine? No, there's a little person in there and it's coming and I, there's nothing I can do to like stop this process now. And, and so I think for me, like it was just a combination of feeling major morning sickness and just feeling super nauseous and crappy all the time and exhausted. And then coming off of the biggest event that I throw during the year. And then that usually I always have some sort of like post event depression, um, which they say is a thing after you've been building and working towards something for a long time. And then it happens and it's over. And then you feel this sense of loss and like lack of purpose. Like, what am I now working towards? And so I always feel that every year. So I think it was heightened with the fact that I found out I was pregnant and then also coming off of this event and then dealing with some personal stuff, just like friendship changes and community changes and kind of just felt like a bunch of stuff hit at once. And that first trimester was, 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 pretty, hard. It was pretty rough. Well, I'm glad to hear that things are, are looking up a little bit and I, I'm sure there's plenty more changes ahead that uh, will still continue to flip things upside down. But I think it's amazing, though, that you really like have taken the opportunity to communicate all of that. And, you know, because somebody else is going to experience that, you know, next month, next year, whatever. And they're going to be like, oh, you know what? I, I feel more prepared for this because I know that I'm not the only person who's ever felt like this. Earlier, you used the phrase uh, that, you when you kind of communicate and share these things, you feel aligned and at peace. Where do you think you learned that? Because I, I don't think that's like a natural thing that like somebody's born with. I think that you have to kind of either stumble into that or like learn that wisdom from somebody else. Like, do you feel like you had an earlier experience that that kind of taught you that being open, even though it's a little bit more 
difficult is worth it in the long run? Wow, what a good question. Um, I haven't really thought about that before. I do know that one of my like pet peeves or things that really just like bothers me is um, when I feel like someone is being fake to me um, or not telling me the truth or just not being real with me, which I know we all do every day. Like there's no way it's hard to even be completely real with our own selves because so often it's, we don't even know what we're feeling. Um, So I don't mean to say that in like a judgmental way of like, we have to always be open with everybody all the time. But I think um, digging into where that's come from, I think that I have been really, scarred by people, uh, especially just like when I was younger and in my teenage years by people lying to me and telling me things that weren't true and um, pretending that they were someone they weren't. I was in a relationship for almost four years when I was young. I was 15 to 19. I was in this relationship and there was just a lot of a lot of that stuff going on in that relationship that I think really impacted my desire just for people to be real with me and for me to be real with other people, because there were a lot of secrets there were a lot of lies that um, being a moldable teenage girl, I think really impacted me. And now when I see that in another person, it like triggers me. And I just want to know like, what's the truth? Like, don't lie to me. Don't like, I feel very disrespected like when I'm not being told the truth. And I think it probably stems from stuff from there, but that's such a good question. I never thought about that. It's, I mean, it's always interesting to think back on the things that I don't know. Like I, I think that there's a lot of things that make each of us unique, but it's like, how did we get to that point where we made the decision to do that thing that not everybody does? It, It sounds to me like you, you know, you're being intentional about making sure that nobody else, or your goal is at least to make sure that nobody else is having that experience of feeling manipulated or lied to or misled from you or about you. You know, you want to like do your part in that. And and I think it's contagious, honestly. Like I think that that's a cool thing that uh, when it's modeled, it, it's so clear and it's so like, uh, I don't know if inspirational is the right word, but it's like, it's something where I'm like, Oh, I want to emulate that. I want to, I want to practice that when I have the opportunity. Yeah. And I think there's like, there's a balance to it all too. And I've been having lots of conversations with friends recently, just about how much is too much to share, especially when we're talking about the digital realm and social media and Instagram. Um, Because there's a lot of people out there right now, just pouring everything out. And, and I think that when it's done, from a healthy place, it can help so many people. Like I know so many people who have been impacted, um, even just from reading someone's story about um, infertility or anxiety and depression that they read about online. Um, And I know I've been impacted by that as well. And I know for me, just talking a little bit about my experiences, even just seeing someone in the comments or even someone who I know in person who's like, Oh, I experienced the same thing. Like it makes me feel so, so much less alone to know like, okay, I'm not the only one who experienced this like prenatal depression. Um, 
And that's actually something a lot of people go through. But Brene Brown said something once, I can't remember if I read it in her book or heard it on an interview she was doing, but she said that she never tells a story until she's healed from it. She never healed from it, which I think is so key in thinking about like being, uh, you know, vulnerable online is I don't think there's anything wrong with it as long as you've been able to take time and you've overcome it and you've healed from it and you've worked through it with your community that's in person with you, your people who you're in person to person relationships with. Um, And then once you feel like this is, I'm healed from this, this is a time where I, I feel comfortable to be able to share this, then putting it out online it's almost really protecting you and safer because if someone says something to you when you're still so raw from whatever you're going through and there's a nasty comment on there, that's going to be real difficult to take rather than if you've already healed from it. And it, it allows those comments to be a little bit less raw, I guess. I think that's really, really good wisdom and it makes a lot of sense. And I always try to I don't know if I'm perfect at this, but like my goal would be that I am known the most deeply from the people who I'm close to and like living in community with my closest friends, my family, and that the internet would come second, you know? And I I wonder if there's some level of escapism where it's like, I'm just going to post this out here on the internet and it's public. So it makes it almost feel easier. And I don't, you know, I think that there's, there's a lot to unpack with that, but it's it's something that I I think it's really cool to see like a growing conversation around it. And maybe this is kind of a nice segue to something that I was wondering about earlier because so you created an amazing brand organization company called Yellow Co. And I've just been a long time big fan. It's really remarkable because you've I don't often use this term for brands. Like it it doesn't always feel accurate, but I think in your case, it really does feel accurate. It feels like you've really created a community. You've rallied uh, people like specifically like creative and entrepreneurial women together around some ideals that like really bring people together. And so I guess I'm just curious, like in the beginning, before you brought this to life, like what was your vision on what this could look like? What were you hoping to create well thank you first off for those kind words it means a lot and um have equally admired all the things that you've done as well setting out to create yellow was something that happened i i literally like got this idea in the shower one day that's how it always happens i know it's always in like the most inconvenient space <laughs> i need to it's always when like our mind isn't it we're pre there's a word for this when you're like preoccupied with something like the dishes or like cleaning where like you're occupied but you're you're able to think I don't know. There's some, there's some word for that, but they say that oftentimes the best like ideas come when you're in that state or like walking or doing something where your brain's occupied, but then also able to think creatively. And so that happened to me in the shower and um, it kind of came out of a place where I was craving a space that paired together 
entrepreneurship. I my background's in graphic design and digital media, and I was running my own graphic design business at the time. And um, so I had this like entrepreneurial spirit about me, and then I also had this side to me that I really wanted to impact the world for good, and I wanted to use my creativity and my skills and my talents to make an impact that served something bigger than myself and made the world a better place. And then was there somebody that was modeling that for you or like somebody in particular that you looked up to in that way? Yeah. Well, that's kind of how this idea came about was because through like, I swear it was like two or three weeks in December of 2013. I remember because it was like around the holidays and Christmas time. And I feel like I always intentionally try to take time to reflect during that time. And I had um, gone and toured the Soul Pancake offices. Are you familiar with Soul no. Pancake? No. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, I was like, oh my gosh, you need to know that. I was, I was like, like I've never heard of this breakfast restaurant. It sounds delightful. <laughs> of course, Soul Pancake, creators of Kid President and a million other creative yeah, things. Uh, gosh, I can't remember his real name right now. But Dwight oh, Rain Wilson, who, yeah, or, Rain Wilson, who played Dwight on The Office. <laughs> yes, exactly. He um, is the original founder. But um, like I had a blog at the time and I was meeting with them about something and I was just, I walked in their offices and I had no idea, but it was like all women running this company and the CEO was a woman and I got to meet her and I got to just talk to so many of the employees there who are women. And I was like, I, I don't know why this shouldn't have surprised me so much but I was like wow I had no idea like the CEO was a woman and all these people running this company are women because it's not necessarily a brand that's like geared towards women um which just shows how naive I was at the time and all of this but um I was so excited to just see that and just to see how um I I was able to hang out with and chat with the CEO a little bit and hear a little bit about her heart and why she does what she does with Soul Pancake. And I was like, man, that is so awesome. And I was super inspired by her, how she was an entrepreneur. And she also was super creative and thinking outside the box. And then she also had this social good element to her work. And then I also uh, came across Darling Magazine at the time. Yeah, Sarah Doubledam, their creator, has been on the podcast before and she's amazing. She is. And she spoke at our very first conference and so kindly like came on board to be a part of this thing that didn't really exist yet. And <laughs> I I met a few women who worked at Darling and at that po- time like Darling was still pretty new and so just hearing their heart and their vision for women and for helping the world and just for bringing these, um, changing how magazines um, portray women and body image and all this stuff. I was just like, wow, this is so cool. And, and like nowadays, you know, social entrepreneurship is a word that most people are familiar with or social enterprise. Um, but then like this was 2013, I, I never heard that. Like, I didn't know what that meant. And so I was kind of meeting these women who were, really doing that um, but I didn't have a word for it and I wanted to sit in an audience and hear from women like that I wanted to hear their stories and why they do what they do and how they got to where they are and so that idea that came to me in the shower was to have a conference as the venue for hearing those stories and bringing women like that together 
that's kind of how it all started to snowball. I just wanted to take a quick break from this conversation to tell you about the sponsor of this week's episode of Sounds Good, the University of Helsinki. Okay, so as you may know, I just got back from Helsinki, Finland, which happens to be ranked the happiest country on earth. Uh, That was what sold me. I'm going. I was like, I have to experience what that is like. And while I was there, I got the opportunity to visit the University of Helsinki. I met with some of their students. I met with some of their staff. I get to see the campus. It was so much fun, you guys. It's a beautiful campus. It's a beautiful school. And they're doing really, really impactful work. The University of Helsinki ranks among the top 100 universities in the world, and the location is great too. Helsinki is the capital of Finland and is one of the most livable cities in the world. I loved my access to public transit while I was there. The people there are kind and generous. The restaurants are top-notch. The culture is fantastic, and there's saunas everywhere. It's like a a cultural thing to enjoy the sauna and... uh, Oh my goodness, can you imagine getting to sauna every day after class? Anyway, so the application period for the international master's programs at the University of Helsinki, which start in August of 2019, are currently open. If you want to continue your education towards making a difference in the world, you've got to apply before January 11th, 2019. You can learn more about the University of Helsinki and apply for their master's program at helsinki.fi admissions. One more time, that's helsinki.fi slash admissions. University of Helsinki, study for the world. Okay, now back to the rest of our conversation. I'm curious what it was like in those early days. Like, How did it feel uh, when it's just like scrappy and it's an idea and you're probably calling in favors and like randomly cold calling people? Like what... What did that feel like? Yeah, I look back on that time with such fond memories. <laughs> I was just so excited. Like, man, I have the worst memory in the world, but I remember those first few months so well. I just remember sitting in, I had a studio at the time, and I just remember sitting in my studio and just writing notes and notes about action steps I needed to take and the very first thing that I did after I had the shower idea was the next day I emailed a friend of mine who runs a conference in Texas. He runs a graphic design conference there. And he was the only person I knew who had done anything similar to what I wanted to do. And so I emailed him and I was like, hey, I have this idea and I I like have no real like concrete words to explain what I want it to be but essentially and I just like brain dumped on this email to him and I was like can you help me I think it's going to be a conference like do you have any thoughts and he emailed me back very quickly and was just like yes this is awesome let's hop on a phone call so hop on the phone and he just told me First things first, you need to create a mission statement. You need to know how to describe this thing and you need to know what the heart of it is. And I'm so grateful that he told me to do that as a first thing because that really did shape every decision after that. And still to this day, like every decision is filtered through the heart of what we do and through our mission. 
Um, and so I started with that and then he really helped me with so many of the nitty gritty things like budgeting and how many people I should be expecting and how to get speakers on board and how to get sponsors and just all the things that I had not like my background. Like I said, I was a graphic designer and had never done events before, had no event experience at all, but I didn't think about it. Like I never, it never even crossed my mind that I might not be able to do this, which now being older and, um, I think less naive than I was when I first started out. I feel like I love looking back on that time because I was so fearless because I didn't know much. And I think there's such a power in not knowing what you're getting into because you just, you can do it. You know, there's nothing stopping you. So yeah, it was really, I just, I just followed what he told me to do like step-by-step. I just had a, a list on my notebook and I just, my goal was to just put my head down and cross those things off the list and not worry about the big picture. I remember I kept anytime I thought about all these people coming to a space that I made, it would completely freak me out and it would stall me because I would just get so scared. So what I told myself was I just got to put my head down, cross those things off the list and complete these little tasks that I have. And then the big picture will complete itself and I can focus on the big picture when it's actually happening. That's so brilliant. And what was it like when the day actually came, when people showed up to a space that you had created? Oh man, there is nothing like it. It was just magical. I remember the night before the conference, I was with a friend at a coffee shop who she had really come alongside me and helped me do a lot of um, things. And we were just talking about it. And we were like, I feel like we invited people to this like fake birthday party. (laughs) It's not real, but like, they think it's real. And they're all coming to like our pretend birthday party. And we hope we don't disappoint them. (laughs) And then yeah, just seeing people show up. It was was surreal. Um, And just I was just on cloud nine the entire time. I just had such a blast. And it was so fun meeting these women who flew from like across the country to come to this thing that was just so scrappy and new. And um, yeah, it was just it was really, really cool. And people left feeling awesome about it. Like I I know people who I think have been there since the beginning and, and were like, it was amazing. Like this was what I needed. What did it feel like to start getting that feedback that like not only did people like it, but like I would imagine people were saying, I'm looking forward to next year. Like when's the next one? Yeah, yeah. Well, I myself like – like I mentioned, I created this because I wanted to he- I wanted to sit in the audience and hear from these women and I wanted to be a part of a community like this. So I felt like I was just what I felt like I was a person attending and I was like, yeah, when's what's happening to next That's year? Cool. Like, what's going on? And some of my best friends today I actually met at that first conference, which is what I wanted. It felt kind of like my heart and these things that had been stirring up inside me for years finally were put out into the world and other people had that same heart and they had the same desires that I did and we were all able to like be together in the same space and come together under that desire to make to use what we have to work for something bigger than ourselves and so I mean years 
after that first one, I'll say it was like this cloud nine experience that I had this first year. It definitely did not like continue like this in the same way every, every year. But that first year I was just like, I felt, I felt like I could do anything. I was like, yep. When's next year. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Like I was ready to go fly to Texas and hang out with new friends that I made. I just was like, so into it. It was great. How would you describe the yellow co community? All these people who rallied around these ideas that you were so passionate about. Yeah, they are the coolest women ever. I would describe them as passionate. And I know that word can be overused and might feel stale uh, a little bit, but they're energized, I guess maybe might be a better way to describe it. They're energized and they're dreamers in a good way. And I think um, a lot of times these like words like passion and dreaming and all these things, they can, they can get a bad rap sometimes because obviously we all know there's another side to that. We need to be practical and we need to be able to execute on things and be realistic. But there's so much of that in the world that I find as I get older, I have to channel that like dreamer side of me more and more to fuel myself and to allow myself to to dream and to think of possibilities and think about ideals and what the world could be. And I know that's a lot of what, what you do with good newspaper. You show like, and good, good, good co you're showing stories of good things that are happening because it's so easy to get so down on like all the hard things happening, but they're energized. They're dreamers. They see a world in their head that is good. And they see, they have a vision for how, people should be treating each other and for how they personally can use what they have to make an impact for good. And they want to know how to execute on that. They want to know how to make that happen in the world. And they want to be around other women who are, who have the same desires as they do to come together because we're better together and we're stronger together. And they're just, they're very genuine and caring and loving and hardworking. I've just met so many of the, the coolest woman who have truly, truly changed my life um, just by me observing how they live theirs within this community. You're just great. <laughs> what do you think that the biggest struggle with this community is? Like, what do you feel like, you know, the people who are showing up on your site and following you on social media and, and showing up at the conference, like, what is the most difficult part of like having this beautiful and amazing ambition and ability to see what's happening in the world and wanting to, you know, take steps towards creating that? Like what's the hurdle that so many of them are trying to overcome? I think one of the biggest hurdles is we find that a lot of women, like I described, they have this like desire and they, they want to grow and they want to bloom into the women that they were created to be. And yet they don't know how to do that. And I think it's really easy when you have a heart like that to get discouraged when you're not where you want to be or your life doesn't look the way you want it to look or the world around you doesn't look the way you want it to look. They crave like, how do I become 
this person that I know I'm capable of being. And I want this X, Y, Z, like I want, or this one, two, three, step-by-step on how to get there or how to make my business that has the power to impact um, people for good. I want to make it work and make it successful. And I think that in so much of this, it's not, so much of it is like a character building. That's not just a one, two, three, here's how to do it, you know? And I think that can be discouraging for a lot of people. And I think it takes a lot of perseverance and resilience and like a continuing desire to, or a continuing knowledge that they have to stay soft even when things don't work out the way that they hoped they would, or that thing that they tried and they believed in so much, it didn't work. How do you continue to stay, stay soft and not get bitter and not just become a cynical person who's like, oh, yeah, well, I used to be a dreamer once. Look how that turned out. Yeah. Um, very hard. I mean, I feel like this is something that we're all trying to figure out. But like, what have you learned about that? What do you feel like is the is the secret to doing that? Oh, man, I don't know if I have any secret. If you know one, tell me. But I think for me, the biggest thing is staying in tune with my feelings and my emotions and paying attention to myself. Because when I'm able to pay attention to myself and my emotions, I can better see, oh, I'm starting to feel bitter about this thing. And then I can take that and say, what am I going to do about this? You know, am I going to let it sit and let it simmer and just build? Or can I try to implement a new, something new into my brain or into my routine or um, even just a conversation I have with someone? Um, So I think for me, the biggest thing is just being aware of how I'm feeling because I think we can go years and years um, and I turned 30 this year and I think I, it just in getting older, have realized that it's so easy to go about your years without paying attention really to where you're at or where, where you're going. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I'm this, I'm so much more bitter and cynical than I used to be. But when did that even happen? So without paying attention to myself, I can kind of keep it in check, but yeah, it's hard. And I, I also think that there's something bigger at play and I believe in God and I believe that he is also looking out for me. And, um, I just recently have kind of been feeling like a, like stagnant and just, I've been feeling like it's felt painful for me to dream recently because it's, it's felt like things that I've dreamt about just didn't turn out the way I wanted them to, or didn't turn out the way I expected them to. And, and the other day I had a friend mail me this giving key on it that said dream. And I have not talked to her about how I've been feeling or anything. And um, she just felt like she needed to send me this key. And I was so touched by it because that was something that I really needed. And I felt like it was God, the universe's way of, telling me like hey it's okay to continue to dream even if this is a little bit painful like this is 
this is healthy and this is good for you. I'm really glad you said that because I think it's easy to look at something as successful and beautifully designed and curated as Yellow Conference or just even Yellow Co. in general and be like, wow, like this is like got all the creativity behind it. Like this is like I they have it all. And so to hear this idea that like, you know, you are in a period where like dreaming is difficult and dreaming is hard. Like, I think that's a very humanizing thing because I think many people experience, I know I experienced that. Um, I remember a few years ago just being like dead end stuck on ideas. Um, and it feels weird. I don't know. So, I mean, again, I, I appreciate you, you sharing that because I think that that's like a very human thing that we all experience. And especially when we work in creative worlds, it's, you know, sometimes your value can feel tied up in your ability to dream. I guess that's another thing that I was wondering about is, do you feel like you wrestle with this idea of our value not being based on what we create and do? Because, I mean, you're a resource for people who are doing and creating, but of course that's not the entirety of who we are and where our value comes from. So in 2015, which was the second year that we hosted the Yellow Conference, like I mentioned earlier, after the first year, I was like, cloud nine, I was like, I can do anything. I just dreamed this thing and it happened and look at it, like, this is so cool. Um, so I got a little carried away with that uh, mentality <laughs> and, and I wanted to create like this website that hosted um, e-courses and uh, tools and resources for this community to come on and be able to uh, be a member of. And it was this whole thing. It wasn't really thought out very well at all, but I wanted to create this thing and I got um, a quote from a design agency that I really loved. And they were like, okay, like to build everything that you're talking about, it's going to be probably about like $50,000. And I was like, okay, no problem. Like I will just do a Kickstarter campaign and I will get that (laughs) $50,000. you know, long story short, not hard to believe the Kickstarter campaign failed. Um, and how Kickstarter works. If you're not familiar, it's you, you don't get any of the money if you don't get all the money. So we actually raised about 20,000, which now looking back, I'm like, Hey, that's not too bad, but we didn't get any of it. Cause we, the goal was like 50,000. That's so hard because it's such a public, like failure, you know, you're, you're telling your entire audience you're and you're rallying your friends and family around this idea of like, we're launching a Kickstarter. We've got this goal. And then it's like the, the time runs out and people can see it not be successful. I think they literally get an email saying like this Kickstarter was not successful. This failed. So so you don't have to pay anything. Don't worry. (laughs) End of your money. Yes. Everything you just described, how public it is. Cause you've done it. You did a Kickstarter for good for a good newspaper, right? We I, did. I mean, it was it was so hard, but we were also blown away that, you know, people rallied around it and we were successful. We also asked for a lot less money. I think we asked for $20,000. And so... Well, I learned after, unless you're like a celebrity, about 20000 is a good place to land. But I, you know, I was just too ambitious and I was just, I was <laughs> to do whatever. I respect so, it. Yeah. So the whole thing 
failed and you know like you know you're pushing this out to your entire community you're sending emails you're you're emailing like influencers which I hate that word but like you're just trying to get everybody to talk about it you know and get everybody to donate and so yeah it failed and it felt it was so public and it was so like crushing for me like my cloud nine bubble of I can do anything just totally got popped and I just came crashing down and I was like oh my I'm a failure I'm a failure I remember it was about like a week, maybe a few days before the Kickstarter failed. And I knew it was going to fail because there was no way we were going to get like the amount of money that we needed in the short amount of time left. And I was sitting on the couch with a mentor of mine. We were eating like chocolate covered almonds and I was just crying to her. And I was like, I just don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how to handle this. And she asked me, like, what's the biggest thing for you that, what's the thing that hurts the most? And I was like, I'm just so embarrassed. Like, I'm so embarrassed that I, that I did this thing and it's failing in front of everybody. And she stopped me right there and she was like, oh, honey, this is not the first time that you're going to fail in front of people. It's not the first time you're going to fail at all. You are running after your your dreams. And with that, there's going to be a lot of failures coming your way. She's like, this is the first of many. I hate to break (laughs) many coming. And I was just like, man. And it was really out of that conversation that I learned that I am not what I do. I'm not defined by my failures. And I'm also not defined by my successes. There's this quote that my dad always said to me growing up that just came back to me during that season that says, don't let your failures go to your heart or your successes go to your head. That just sticks with me every day because it's really hard to do because you can get into this place where things are going good and you're like, yeah, I'm awesome. Like if things are working out, like I must be good or I must be great. Like, and you, you, you have so much identity wrapped up in that, but then the same ego really that's wrapped up in that success identity gets wrapped up in the failure identity as well. And when we can see ourselves and I see myself as I try every day to have an enough mindset and see myself as enough and see myself as a child of God. And that is my true identity. That's who I truly am. And then the rest is just how we're living our lives and, but we're not defined by it. So Yeah, going back to what you said about like identity and being defined by things that we do, I think it's so easy when you're running your own thing to get really wrapped up in your identity being in it. But one thing I'm just constantly telling myself, like, don't let my successes go to my head or my failures go to my heart. And it was after that Kickstarter that it really, that I really learned that lesson. Uh, That was so beautifully said. And what a good and terrible story. You know, like that's, it truly is such a public, difficult failure. And I'm so glad that it like led to a learned lesson. And not that the learned lesson should be like, have your Kickstarter be $20,000, but that it's this bigger, you know, thing that applies to everything else in life. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And we ended up, it actually ended up being something really cool that we could share with our community. I like wrote this blog post about it. And talked about how when we're entrepreneurs or when we're 
when we have these big dreams that we're working towards, failure is inevitable. And you know what? Like, yeah, this failed, but we're going to keep on going. And this is not the end in the slightest. And we ended up, we had like a fail party in LA where we invited people to and we talked about failures and we were like, yeah, like we took a risk because we always, we love talking about risks, but like nobody likes to talk about what happens when you take a risk. (laughs) So it ended up being something that really, I think brought people together. And I even talked to a girl who came to our conference that following year and she was like I read your post about your Kickstarter failure and that's why I wanted to come to this conference and I was like wow cool (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that makes me so happy like I love that you got to use it for all different kinds of good because we really don't hear those stories of when we take a risk and then we fail and so I, I know that another thing you did was you have kind of over time expanded uh, Yellow Code to be more than just a conference. You know, it, it really is, you know, a, a resource. It's, you know, something where people are are members. It's all these things. You mentioned earlier that you have a, a driving mission that drives everything. What was that, like, mission statement that has been kind of guiding you through, you know, changes and evolutions? The statement that really keeps us together that we're always going back to is that we exist to create space for women who are working towards the good of the world. And um, that creating space can look, it can form in a variety of different ways Um, from our conferences. um, We're doing a New York conference in 2019 as well. I'm so excited about that. That's I saw that you guys are doing that. That's going to be so cool. Yeah, it's our first East Coast thing we've ever done. So excited to get over to the other side and um, hang out with the awesome people over on the East Coast. So yeah, that. And then um, we're also doing retreats in 2019, which is a new thing for us as well. Um, which is really just to bring together our community on a smaller scale to really offer and create space to get more practical and tangible um, and really help these women move from A to B. So each retreat will have a different theme and bring in a different niche group of women. We'll do one for solopreneurs. We're doing one for writers. We're doing one for social entrepreneurs in the first one to three years of business and um, really just giving them a smaller space to get practical and tangible which you can't it's harder to do in like a larger conference setting um and then yeah like you mentioned we have our membership platform which is really our connector throughout the year um and we've gone through a few different iterations of it to try to figure out what the best way to connect these women throughout the year is and um yeah we've we're actually um we have a brand new digital platform hub for our members that's um, we've been beta testing with them for the last few months, but it'll be officially launching in January, 2019. And we're doing online digital events and just have a lot of perks for members first access to retreats and conferences and a vault full of all the speaker videos from conferences past. And then they can talk to each other. There's local events that are posted from our community. We have hives of women, um, that we we call them hives from they get together once a month 
um, in different spaces throughout the country. And um, those are all posted on there. And then we'll do interviews with entrepreneurial women and all sorts of stuff. So um, yeah, it's really like creating spaces that fuel not just the mind, but also the body and allow for people to connect with each other and connect with themselves is really where we start and then helping them work towards the good of the world. Um, whether that's through their business or through their art or through um, the work that they're doing um, in whatever profession that they're in to work for something bigger than themselves. So yeah, that's kind of the thing that we keep going back to is creating space. I love that. I think that's amazing that you're, that you've had this mission statement that drives the things that you do. And I love that you're creating space for people to create good in the world. Like that's, that's right up our alley. So that makes me so happy. And that's why I've always been drawn to the work you do. I feel like there's so much more that I want to dive into, but also uh, I feel like people just have to experience it through you guys to, to kind of dive into it. So I hope that people experience the conference, check out the website, but I wanted to wrap up uh, with one last question and, and just ask, you know, generally speaking, if you could say one thing to you know the people listening today, especially those who want to do good with you know their passions, their dreams, their talents, abilities, what would you offer them? What's kind of some parting words that that maybe you needed when you were in their position? There's this quote that I think Morgan Harper Nichols, who I know you've had on the podcast before, she had this quote that she drew and illustrated and put on. Instagram and it said something like all along you were blooming I think I'm messing that up (laughs) but it said something to the effect of like throughout that entire time you were blooming and I think that to me that's really resonated with me lately just remembering in the times that feel hard and the times that feel stagnant um, and the times that feel like you're just hitting wall after wall after wall that you are still blooming. And one day you're going to look back on that time and say, wow, all the, all the things that I learned um, helped grow me as a person and really helped me uh, build my character and become who I am created to be. And um, I think just remembering that during the hard times that even though it feels like you're hitting wall after wall, you're growing and you're learning and your identity is not in what you do. And just because you might not be producing and executing and making all these big things happen, paying attention to the person who you are and the person that you're becoming is, is so much more important. So I guess to sum that all up, I'm keep your first things first and um, the rest will fall into place even when it doesn't feel like it is. Oh my goodness, Joanna has inspired me for so long. I I don't know exactly when I started following Joanna and Yellow Co. I think it was in their early days, but all I know is that her work and what's happening at Yellow have been so deeply inspiring for me and the work that I'm trying to do in the world. And uh, I highly encourage you to join me. Make sure that you're following her on Instagram. And while you're at it, follow Yellow Co., on Instagram as well. They're at yellowco.co and also check out yellowco.co, their website. 
and get to know a little bit more about what they do. Maybe sign up for a membership, become a part of what they're doing if you align with their mission. And if you have a chance, I highly encourage you to experience Yellow Conference. You know, I I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but there's a chance that uh, the good newspaper could be making an appearance. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. (laughs) Anyway, it was so fun to have Joanna on the podcast. If you're new to Sounds Good, we would love for you to stick around. If you enjoyed this conversation, you would also love my conversations with Jacqueline Whitney, a fantastic artist and poet and uh She's just wonderful. You've maybe seen her on Instagram. And also Jenna Kutcher, a a talented entrepreneur using her creativity to make an impact in the world. You've probably also seen her on Instagram. Uh, Both of these women are doing so much good with their craft. And you can find both of our conversations with them uh, and also more than 100 other conversations uh, by searching for Sounds Good wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we're in all of the spots. And while you're there, make sure that you hit subscribe to keep on getting more inspiring conversations with incredible people delivered straight to your phone while you sleep. This podcast is created by me, Brandon Harvey, as a part of Good Good Good, a community that believes in the power of celebrating good news and becoming good news. Chad Michael Snavely and the team at CM Studio edit and mix the show. And you can get lots more hopeful stories on social media by following us everywhere at goodgoodgoodco. We also create a beautiful quarterly newspaper that celebrates the people, ideas, and movements that are changing the world for the better. And you can order it today. You can check it out and see what else we do at goodgoodgood at goodgoodgood.co. I say good so much. I should count up how many times I say good in one podcast sometimes. Anyway... On that note, that's a wrap for this week's episode. Go out and do some good this week, and we'll be back next week with another inspiring story from an incredible person. Sound good?